0: All right, friends, welcome to That I May See, a podcast with Cody Balfour and Miriam Boone, where we're just diving book by book into the scripture and looking at the wonderful things that we see in God's word. Up today, we had the book of 2 Kings, and I was so blessed to get to talk with Cody about this book and to just hear. The really timely ways that Cody was able to take the truth uh, about God's heart and about God's kingdom that's in this book and apply it to our culture, to just current events. Um, It was challenging for my own heart and just so good for me. So I'm going to keep this intro short because our conversation was a long one, but it was a good one. I was so blessed, and I think you're going to be too. Enjoy talking about the Book of Second Kings with us. Hey, Cody.
1: What's up?
0: Not much. I'm excited to excited to talk about Second Kings today.
1: All right, and then we're going to get into <laughs> Third and Fourth Kings next week. Okay.
0: Yes.
1: <laughs> All the books that don't exist.
0: Right. <laughs>
1: That's hilarious. How's your week been?
0: Uh, let's see. It's been good. We are having our uh, bathroom floor redone because mm. it was cracking and kind of falling in on itself. Mm-hmm. And so, my the people who are, go- who are doing the, the, uh, the construction work, they came kind of early one morning. And so they literally, like, rip out the entire bathroom floor. Like, take out the toilet put it on the front porch, the vanity, the sinks, everything. And it's literally like you can just see straight under the house. So, they do all this before the kids wake up. So, (laughs) the kids wake up and they go open the door to the bathroom. And Magdalene and Sailor are both, like, yelling at each other, like, I didn't do it. I didn't take the bathroom floor.
1: <laughs> like,
0: they're gonna think like it's on them. Like clearly, mom and dad are think one of us just straight up took out the bathroom. Yep. So
1: <laughs> blame the kids. That's that's good parenting, right? Exactly,
0: there. exactly. So anyway, so it's it's, it's <laughs> been funny. So uh, we're 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 making deals, but hilarious. yeah. Um, how are you doing? I feel like this has been a really heavy week with the news. Um.
1: Yeah, I've been, it's been hard. Uh, I've been struggling yeah. a lot of ways. Um, we had our, uh, we had our staff like long-term plan. You know, we do that, at, we would do that at uh, Springs of Grace and that uh, One Hope, right. we do like a long-term planning meeting and stuff like that. so that's we had this week at Koinonia. And um, that was really good. Uh, but even in the midst of all that is just uh, so hard. I mean, like the George Floyd, or not George Floyd, but the Derek. Uh, Chalvin trial. Mm-hmm. Um, the videos of that veteran who was mistreated by the police, the black veteran, <sighs> um, Dante Wright being murdered. I, I couldn't. I couldn't even. I couldn't watch the Toledo, uh, the young Toledo boy. He's he's a he's a Latino boy. And, right. Um, literally, like Micah texted me was like, "Don't watch that video." Yeah. Like he texted me and was and said like, he said, "I'm not watching it. You shouldn't watch it either." You know, because I was telling him how hard all this has been on me and it's just, it's just hard. It's just yeah. like, you know, when I, I don't know if you watched the interview with um, Dante Wright's parents, but it just mm. reminded me of my parents, wow. you know, like his mom is white and his dad's black and I just saw them sitting there and I was like, man, like that's what it would be like if that happened. To right. me. Um, and so it's just been really hard. And Absolutely. I've been uh, like processing it all. I've been reading a, like Dr. King's book. Where do we go mm-hmm. from here? Have I read haven't that? read that one. Oh, it's like, oh, it's amazing. Like, everything he's saying is, like, it's like he wrote it for 2021. Wow. Um, it's just incredible, like, the way he, like, diagnoses, like, riots and even extremist groups and, um, what's necessary, uh, mm-hmm. for change. Like, he quotes this one scholar in his book, and the scholar basically says, um, um, nothing will change in America unless America is willing to make a substantial sacrifice. Mm. Um, Unless that happens, he says like the riots, the racial tension, Mm -hmm. the poverty, all of our biggest problems in America, like will not go away unless um, something fundamental changes, not just sacrificially, but in America's priorities, because we have the resources to change. Right. We have more than enough resources, but we don't have the right priorities. We don't value the right things. Mm. We don't value life. Um, You know, we don't, we don't value simple living. And uh, yeah. I mean, we
0: don't value justice. (sighs) Oh man. Yeah. I hear you. I was, I was listening um, this morning on the radio. They were covering um, the video being released. Of the you know thirteen mm. year old boy and kind of walking through, um, just reactions to that and mm-hmm. I went and watched the video afterwards and oh man I I'm really glad you didn't mm-hmm. watch it because yeah. even just it's like I have a thirteen year old black son
1: mm-hmm. you know?
0: and I'm like mm-hmm. watching this video thinking oh my goodness. How do you, I just, oh man, it just, there's not mm-hmm. words for how, just, well, I'll tell you this. So I I, well, I listen to that, I watch that, and then I, I go pick up Second Kings, because I know we're going to do this podcast. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I wish we were in a different book, because what does Second Kings mm-hmm have to say to this and mm-hmm. one of the first stories that jumped out to me I'll just dive into this here is in second mm-hmm. kings chapter eight Elisha
1: okay.
0: comes and he um, comes to Damascus and there's this king there who's sick, and so this king mm-hmm. sends um, Hazael to go ask Elijah for him will I recover from this sickness And in verse 10, it says, Elijah told him, go say to him, you are sure to recover. But Yahweh has shown me that he is sure to die. And then he stared steadily. Elisha stared steadily at Haziel until he was ashamed. And then it says, Hmm. the man of God wept. And Haziel asked, why is my Lord weeping? And Elisha replied, because I know the evil that you will do to the people of Israel. You will set their mm. fortresses on fire. You will kill their young men with the sword. You will dash their children to pieces. You will rip open their pregnant women. And Haziel says, mm-hmm. how could your servant, a mere dog, do such a mighty deed? And Elisha answered, Yahweh show me you will be king over a ram. And Haziel left Elijah, went to his master, who asked him, what did Elijah say to you? And he responds, he told me you were sure to recover. And then the next day, Haziel took a heavy cloth, dipped it in water, and spread it over the king's face and Ben-Hadad died, and Haziel reigned in his place. And I read Mm -hmm. that story, and it's like, first of all, it was like, the scripture understands how evil the world is. Like, Mm -hmm. this is a story about murder, about betrayal, about um, people using violence to accomplish their own ends. And... I love that the role that the man of God has here is verse 11, Mm -hmm. the man of God wept. And he he stares steadily at Haziel until he was ashamed. And I just thought, Mm -hmm. this is what the people of God are supposed to do in the face of evil, is we don't look away. We say, I'm not Mm -hmm. going to pretend that this didn't happen. I am going mm-hmm. to stare at you until you are ashamed. Like I'm not letting you off the hook right. with injustice. And I may right. not have the power to right that wrong, but I can bear witness mm-hmm. and I can weep. And we've talked about this right. before, but it's like tears are a way that we tell the truth about evil. So I That's just right. think, and about God. Yeah, I mean, I just think like, you know, it's like how we can't have a week of news like this week and be okay, or we're saying right. that, like, what what is that saying about the lives of those image bearers?
1: That's right. Well, I think part of it too, because I think you're spot on. The problem is we don't know what to do with our shame, right? Right, like we don't like we don't we we don't know what to do with it because the church in America has been legalistic and judgmental for so long that it, that the church has not created an environment where people can feel safe enough to repent without fear of being cast out.
0: Mm -hmm. Right.
1: Wow. And, um, and that's why I think, you know, that's why I think the white community and the male community and, and, uh, the wealthy and the rich they will not admit the ways in which they're complicit in um, the things happening to black people, to, to women, to the poor. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, no, I think you're spot on. And, uh, but, but it's like, where do you take your shame? You take it to Jesus. Mm -hmm. You know, this is what happens with, with Judas, Judas, you know, betrays Jesus for money. uh, But if only he knew Jesus would have forgiven Mm -hmm. him. And I think that's the hope of repentance in America right. and everywhere. But I think, you know, we're in an American context, we need it is that, like, hey, you can, you can own what you've right. done, but that doesn't mean you have to live mm-hmm. it. It doesn't mean you have to live in the shame. And we don't want to experience, we don't want to feel any kind of shame, which is why we're beginning to cultivate a culture of uh, of being shameless, mm. you know, of. Wow. Of being like, you know what? I'm not going to feel ashamed right. for what I've done because we don't know because we don't know what to do with that. And uh, it's interesting thinking about policing. When we think about what happens with Naaman in chapter five. Um, mm-hmm. Naaman, it says he's the commander this chapter five of 2 Kings. It says he's the commander of the army of the king of Syria. He was a great man with his master in high favor because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. And what the story tells us is he has leprosy and he's like, hey, uh, I need to be healed from this. And then it says, now the Syrians on one of their raids had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel and she worked in the service of Naaman's wife. So what's happening is they enslaved an Israelite girl. Mm-hmm. It says they carried her off and she worked in the service of Naaman's wife. So you have a slave master and a slave. And, and what eventually happens is uh, this little girl goes on behalf of this slave master to find healing, right? Like she goes to Elisha um, and she kind of advocates on his behalf. Mm. Like she kind of like tells him, this is, this is the man that I know in Israel that can help Mm. me. Right now that is the society in which we function right now, where the powerless are expected to advocate on behalf of the powerful. Now, Fast forward hundreds of years to Jesus, right? Wow. Jesus meets this Roman centurion, okay? And the centurion says, my slave is sick.
0: Hmm.
1: You, see, you see how the kingdom right. flips that? Right. In Second Kings, it's the slave trying to help the slave master. And in the New Testament, Jesus says, I have not seen so great a faith as wow. this. Wow. To the Roman Gentile Centurion, he is the slave master advocating on behalf mm, of the slave, incredible. and that is that is how policing needs to be. Because one of the things that just infuriates about policing, you'll hear this all the time when they interview the cops who've murdered people, is they'll say, "We got to come home at night," and and it's and it's a, it's it's self preservation, mm. right? But the kingdom tells us those in power are expected to give up their resources and even give up their lives if need be for the vulnerable. And I think that is the core of what policing needs to be. It doesn't need to be protect and serve myself. It needs to be protect and serve the community. Mm. It's like, what does that even mean if your first reaction is to take their life instead of your own or to give up your own life? Wow.
0: That is such a profound, um, that is such a profound contrast. I, I feel like. Yeah, it's the new kingdom. You, you see all through the book of second Kings. Like that. You see that. What happens to the most vulnerable. When the people in power are out for themselves. Like I. Mm-hmm. And, and how dangerous it is. I, I think about like. Different examples, one that you've got children being sacrificed. You have pregnant women being ripped open. So mm-hmm. God is, is revealing to us in this history that mm-hmm. idolatry leads to violence. And ultimately, when oh, we absolutely. turn away from the living God, we can, it is impossible mm-hmm. to turn away from God and love your neighbor. You just mm-hmm. cannot do it. They are they're mm-hmm. united, and I, one of the things I wanted to ask you your thoughts on just reading through Second Kings mm-hmm. is, what do you make of all of the kind of halfway obedience that shows up throughout this book? Mm-hmm. They did this, but they didn't do this. Mm-hmm.
1: I think <laughs> I mean I just think that is a reflection of uh, humanity's sin and their image mm. bearing. Wow. So for example, humanity has capacity to, um, do evil, great evil and great mm. good. And, and because of that, we are human, like we are beings who we kind of want to have our cake and mm-hmm. eat too. Like we want, we want to dabble in a little bit of obedience. You know, we want blessing from the Lord, but we also want to do things our way. And like, one of the things the Bible is just telling us over and over again is you can't have right? it both ways. You can't have it both ways. And I think what right now we're seeing, we're seeing this happen, I think partially in the, uh, the way sexuality plays mm-hmm. out in our culture is that people want to have, you know, right now, I think my generation is uh, you know, we're living in like hookup culture, right. Where it's like, right you know, just let's, let's sleep around. You don't have to have any emotional attachment, you know, just do, just do whatever you want. The problem is, is you can't, like you literally can't. Um, sex was creating a way to emotionally, spiritually, and physically attach you to somebody, uh, covenantally. Um, and, and so you cannot do that without the consequences of that. Right. Mm-hmm. And we think we can, like, we think we can do it. We're like, no, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. But then what you're starting to see, and you and I've seen this too, just in being in ministry, you're starting to see a lot of young adults come out of that and be like, you know what? That was a fruitless lifestyle. Right. You know, like that, like right. that was something I thought worked, but actually just kept on bringing me deep darkness and pain and despair. And I think that's something the world um, just needs to continue to reckon with is that, okay, do we want God or do we want the mm-hmm. world? Um, and that's Israel's history. They're trying to have it both ways. They're trying to have their cake. Eat and it.
0: yet one of the things um, that's so profound that you see in, in the book of second Kings is you see this, this talking about sin as, you know, turning away from God or not having your heart fully turned towards God, mm-hmm. which is really interesting. Cause we like to think about sin in terms of sort of like a, a list of do's and don'ts. And the Bible Correct. talks a lot more about sin in terms of like, who are you oriented to? Like, do you live your life like oriented to the face of God, or are you mm-hmm. oriented to the world? Um, are you oriented towards yourself? Mm-hmm. And one of the things that that just really strikes me about this Second Kings is that over and over and over there are accounts of the kings, the people, the priests, like turning away from God. And in Second Kings thirteen. Verse 22, it says, or verse 23, mm-hmm. it says, but Yahweh was gracious to them, had compassion on them mm-hmm. and turned towards them because of His covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He was not willing to destroy them. And I love that because mm-hmm. like when we talk about covenant, like this is like the most sort of like basic understanding of what the covenant means is that even as God's people continue to turn away from him, God never stops turning back towards them. God never stops mm-hmm. turning towards you. Like, and mm-hmm. that, that's what grace is. Like, grace is that God is not going to stop pursuing his people. And we see like this, mm-hmm. this kind of glimmers of what I think is going to be really fleshed out in Hosea. Of that God is angry mm-hmm. and hurt and heartbroken by the people's sin. And God is furious over mm. evil, and yet God is so deeply committed to His humans, and He just mm-hmm. can't let go of them. So it's just a really beautiful—that's um, right, beautiful picture of of what grace is, and yet told in a way mm-hmm. that does not, in any regard, minimize evil.
1: That's right. Well, it's like. One of the things I appreciate that you brought out earlier is like it says the man Mm -hmm. of God wept, right? And I I was teaching at a when when Nate was here last week and I uh, had to be gone for the day, but I was teaching at a winter camp. And one of the things I told the students and like how you like how you handle your outrage and your despair is that when it comes to injustice and suffering, if you're weeping but not outraged, you're not Mm. doing it right. But also, if you are outraged but not weeping, you also have a distorted way of processing injustice as well because so good. The, 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 the sadness of God is always intertwined with the anger of right. God when it comes to injustice. Absolutely, And um, because it's often sadness that drives mm. his anger, his sadness over the world, over suffering and despair and injustice and um right now uh our god is on the throne and he is sad mm-hmm. and he's also angry at at what happened to dante Wright and and uh you know george floyd and uh the toledo kid mm-hmm. and and just like all these different i mean and and the list could right. go on um but like christians have to weep and it's like it just blows my mind that we live in a world or at least in a time in america We have to convince people Mm. to weep. That should not be. That's insane. (laughs) That should not be.
0: Yeah, there's that's insane. There's a powerful illustration in Second Kings 18 when um, Mm -hmm. they're talking to Hezekiah, and Mm -hmm. he comes. They, he's you know in this situation where he's he's being asked this question, like who are you relying on? And in Mm -hmm. 21 it says. You are relying on Egypt, the splintered reed of a staff that will pierce the hand of anyone who grabs it and leans on it. Mm-hmm. And that, that just struck me as such an interesting metaphor because I was like, wow, that is really what Egypt is. It's this thing that you think is going to make you more stable and secure and safe, but when you mm-hmm. grab it, you, will, you when you put your faith in it, when you rely on it, it will harm you. And the only safe right. thing to put your hope in is God. Because, um, That's right. I mean, I know like Zion and I are watching through uh, the Marvel movies. And so we, uh, mm-hmm. we recently watched Iron Man. So we're like going back to the beginning. And it's so interesting mm-hmm. to watch Iron Man kind of grapple with the reality that, um, these weapons that he's put out into the world that he mm-hmm. thought were going to bring safety and peace have actually caused harm. And he, he yep. doesn't get it until he's personally harmed by them. And I think that's, that right. that's where so many of us are is that we lack the empathy to understand that the things that we are putting our trust in are actually hurting other people. And I hope that God that's can right. wake us up so that we don't have to be personally harmed by some of these things that are unjust and evil, before we mm-hmm. we stop relying on them, because like there is nothing that That's can right. keep you safe except Yahweh. Like you put your re- you rely and and lean on and look for support to the police, to the government, to your handgun, to your name, right. whatever it may be. Like, in the end, those things are going to pierce you. And it is that's only right. in God that, like, that's what that's what he's, like, driving home to Hezekiah. Like, who do you trust? Like, look at your actions. Mm-hmm. What do they say about who you think really has your back at the end of the day?
1: That's right. And it's, like, one of the things you see in Scripture over and over again is you, you see God going to Israel and saying, do not put your trust in chariots and hmm. horses. Yep which were the, they, I mean, these are like the tanks mm-hmm. of their day. These are the weapons. Like whoever had the most chariots and horses in the world, they were the ones right. winning the wars. They were the ones who had the advantage. And God says, do not put your trust in that. Do not do things the way the world is doing them because it doesn't work. And, and I would even say that the, the, the theme of second Kings um, is like mm. distrust. Yeah, it's like distrust of God. And like the very beginning, if you go back to chapter one and Ahab is this evil king, right? And uh, that you kind of see his character develop since first Kings. But it says after Ahab's death, verse one, chapter one, Moab rebelled against Israel. Ah, Ahaziah had fallen through the lattice window of his upstairs room in Samaria and was injured. So he sent messengers instructing them. Go inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, whether I will recover from this injury. And and the reason mm-hmm. I think that's that stood out to me this week is because one of the things I see so often on social media, even in just among people I grew up with, is they will they will go to everything mm-hmm. else to see how their life will right? turn out. I mean, think about it. You have like horoscopes, right? You have crystals. You know, you have so many of these different things that people go to that think will bring them good fortune or will tell them what's going to happen. And and it's the same thing. It's the same thing happening in Israel. And uh, it's just. uh, I love what I love what he says in verse three. This is what the angel Mm -hmm. of the Lord says, he says, is it because there is no God in Israel? that you are inquiring to or going to inquire Beelzebub, the God of Ekron. And and what he's saying is, is it because there's not a God there, that Yahweh does not exist mm. that you're going to these places? Like he's trying to like this angel is trying to get us to see that. Like the reason we go to idols is because in, in a lot of ways, we don't think Yahweh even exists mm. sometimes. Wow. Um, and and he's saying, but there is a God in Israel. Like there is right. a, a loving God who who doesn't take bribes, who's not partial. Mm. Uh, right. you know, doesn't show partiality away from the poor. And, that, and that, I mean, so that's the word
0: that we're we just, need this yeah. week. You know, I mean, I just i i hate mm-hmm. i hate that you've and all my brothers and sisters who are black, who are biracial, who are um, Hispanic, who are watching these these this news coming out. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's a time of grief and i think we we have to grieve but um there is a god who is nothing like mm-hmm. the powers of this world and if we and That's if we right. have that hope like where would we be you know because this world feels right. so tilted towards injustice and um, right. so i man i i've been thinking of you and praying for you this week cuz it's just such Thank you. such a heavy thing and i i just wish i wish yeah. that this this wasn't happening i wish it wasn't unfolding but I, I was thinking though i'm i am i'm grateful that god is allowing there to be witnesses to some of these things and um mm-hmm. some of these stories to be told because you know Man, Second Kings reads like, it's crazy. Like, I was reading it, and there's multiple points where I'm like, wait, what? What just happened? What are they doing?" I mean, it's a mm-hmm. crazy book.
1: It's, it's wild. They're like living wild. The it's like,
0: sometimes it just says, wow.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're like, I can't believe this happened. Well, it's like, one of the things that strikes me, maybe you know, uh, I haven't read any commentaries on this, but maybe you know what this language means more. But one of the things they keep on saying, and they say it in Amos as well. But he says, like, these kings are ripping hmm. pregnant women yeah. off.:
0: Yeah, I actually noted that because I, I, that, that does pop up in Amos. So um, it's in, mm-hmm. I think it's in Amos chapter 1. And in mm-hmm. uh, Amos chapter 1, it specifically says that it gives a reason. I don't know if the reason is the same in 2 Kings. But in Amos, it says, Yahweh will not relent from punishing the Am- Amnites. For three crimes, even four, because they ripped open the pregnant Mm -hmm. women of Gilead. Why? In order to enlarge their territory. And so it seems like Mm. that the root of this is greed. And I'm wondering Mm. if part of it, and this this is my own speculation just based on that that passage in Amos, is Mm -hmm. obviously I think anytime you go after the really vulnerable, there's a kind of a terror aspect. But I also think like this is Israel's mm-hmm. future. Like Israel's future is being destroyed mm-hmm. to keep um, to ultimately. It seems like Amos is saying is so that that what Israel's future would have been is then captured for um, for the enemy. And I, I think that's right. another thing where it's like I think that's why like the black community struggles so deeply and feels the pain so deeply when it's their children that are harmed, you know, um, because that's Mm -hmm. their future. Like, and, Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, I don't know. I think that's just a particularly dark evil place is when it, this ripping open of pregnant women. I mean, it's literally, I mean, it goes right back to Egypt, right? Like kill the sons.
1: Yeah that's right well and i I think i think and to kind of end Mm. on this note um i think one of the things second kings also get does for us is it gives us a warning to all great Mm. empires um that all great empires will fall if they do not submit Mm -hmm. to jesus and and not just submit to him in a oh he's the boss type of way even though that's true but to submit to his goodness and the way in which he tells us to live yeah, because like those are the values um, that will create mm-hmm. flourishing. And it's like at the very end of Second Kings, it leads to the famous uh, right. Babylonian captivity. Right. It says at, the, at that time, the servants of King Nebuchadnezzar, who was the world power at that time of Babylon, marched up to Jerusalem and the city came under siege. King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to the city while his servants were besieging it. King Jehoiakim of Judah, along with his mother, his servants, his commanders, and his officials surrendered to the king of Babylon. Now we know, we read the prophets. One of the things the prophets tell us is that God is the one who, in his sovereignty and providence, orchestrated Mm. this. And and that's hard to wrestle with because there's a lot of suffering um, and, and all kinds of oppression that happens to Israel, but because Israel would not submit to god and because they would not live in the way that he prescribed which would have brought flourishing he basically kind of takes this uh shield away Hmm. um that is protecting them from other nations and he just like lets and orchestrates babylon to come in and take over and and uh you know i think obviously uh america is not a covenant nation um so i don't want to compare it to israel but i think what we can take away is that Oppressive empires will fall. All of them will. America is one of them. And what you see in the New Testament, on more than one occasion, Babylon no longer exists as a, as a nation. It's right. dust. There are no Babylonians that even exist in the New Testament. But at the very end, uh, Revelation 18, and I'll, I'll read it really quickly before we get off here. But in Revelation 18, one of the things it says... Is it says, it has fallen, Babylon the great has fallen. Uh, and then it says, um, for all the nations have drunk the wine of her sexual morality, which has brought wrath. And then what it, 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 he says, come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins or receive any of her plagues, for her sins are piled up to heaven and God has remembered her crimes. Uh, and, and one of the things you'll see, uh, it's interesting. So Babylon just to kind of explain Babylon becomes this archetype for every current past and modern Mm -hmm. uh, oppressive empire, right? Because remember revelation takes place down the road. It speaks of the past, present, and future. Um, But Babylon does not exist uh, at this time. Rome is the great superpower, but Babylon becomes archetype. So, so what the writer's saying is that right now, Rome is Babylon and any empire that looks like this, but if you read chapter, I'm sorry, uh, Revelation 18 chapter or verse 13, it goes through all these things that have captured the greedy heart of those uh, who are a part of the Roman mm-hmm. empire. And it says, this it says the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her because no one buys their cargo anymore. So it's like Babylon is this way of life. It's, it's like injustice is so ingrained into it that you can't even exist without someone wow, being exploited. Yeah. And so <laughs> that it says, sounds like um, American in life, verse 12, <laughs> Exactly. I was just thinking, like, our, like, like, think I of our know. phones. Like, we can't even we can't even have our phones without some small kid overseas in a sweatshop creating it for us. Right. And you know, and one of the things it says in verse thirteen, it says cinnamon, spice, incense, myrrh, and frankincense, wine, olive oil, fine flour and grain, cattle and sheep, horses and carriages and slaves. And then it has a hyphen right there, and it says human lives
0: wow
1: first of all that's america <laughs> like that's america all the way uh we are we are a a form of babylon um but one of the things i do love though about that passage and about what's going on in second kings and in the in, the, in fact, the kings of israel is that this is one of the only ancient documents that considers slaves to actually be wow human.
0: that's profound
1: like, like, call them human right. lives. This is what God is saying. He says these are human beings made in the image of God. And uh, Babylon, the real Babylon, um, the, the nation, um, is doing all these things. It, it's, it's, the, it's the most powerful country at that time. It is the world power. It is the United States. I mean, there's literally like when the three Hebrew boys are forced hmm. to bow down, right, to King Nebuch- Nebuchadnezzar. One of the things it says, it says that he required people from every tribe, tongue, and nation mm, wow. to bow down to the statue. That's, that's, that is America. Right. It's like we have people from every tribe, tongue, and nation here. Right? right? Um, but the, uh, the flip side of that, what happens in Revelation is actually people from every tribe, tongue, and nation bow down before mm-hmm. Jesus. And they bow down before <sighs> God. And that God's kingdom is the real kingdom. Um, that That can bring every tribe, tongue, and nation right. together, um, but under a just kingdom
0: and a, I think a it's merciful. so powerful if you understand that when Jesus like you read second kings, you read first and second kings, because originally they were they were one you know story and one book, and right. um, you come to the New Testament and you think about Jesus um, that passage in Luke four where Jesus steps mm-hmm. up in the synagogue and he says. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. So that language of anointing, Mm -hmm. that's king language. That's saying God has anointed him to be king. So Jesus steps up and says, I'm the king. Like God has chosen me Mm -hmm. to be the king. And this is what I'm going to be doing. Mm -hmm. Preaching good news to the poor, proclaiming release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, freedom for the oppressed, proclaiming the year of grace. Year of Jubilee, and I think and mm-hmm. and, he, and Jesus goes on to highlight, and it really upsets people, that uh, he highlights a story mm-hmm. from Second Kings that in Elisha's time there were many in Israel had leprosy, and yet not one of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian, and he's saying like God's mm-hmm. heart has always been for the world, and God's heart has right. always extended to anyone who needs the good news. And that's the kind of king that Jesus is going to be. And I just, to me, it's like, you cannot read uh, the stories in first and second Kings and not feel like, Oh, like what hope is there? Like who can sit on the throne? Mm -hmm. And then you hit, you hit the story of Christ and you see him show up and he's not even on a throne at first. He's like out with these people mm-hmm. who've been broken by the sins of the kingdom, by the sins of the empire. Mm-hmm. And he's saying like, there's like a different, yeah. like a whole different kind of world that Christ has like come to introduce. And I, I it's so beautiful. So I know we better yeah. wrap up, but. but just... I, I, oh, it's okay. I kind of wanted to point out yeah, one more thing. That was okay.
1: Um, but one of the things you also see too, and I think this has great implications For America, because not just in regards, I use the kind of sexual morality as an example. But I think one of the ways in which um, we want to have our cake and eat it, too, is we want to believe that the poor can survive and the rich can keep on just getting infinitely Mm -hmm. wealthier. And and but but the what what Second Kings is also telling us is that if you actually dismantle these systems, prosperity will happen. Because there right. are kings who do that, right? It says in 2 Kings 11, it says uh, Jehoiada, right? It says Jehoiada made a covenant between the Lord, the king, and the people that, that they would be the Lord's people and another covenant between the king and the people. So all the people of the land went to the temple of Baal mm-hmm. and tore it down. They smashed its altars and images to pieces and they killed Matin, the priest of Baal, at all the altars. Now, <laughs> we shouldn't kill people. But it um, says then Jehoiada the priest appointed guards for the lord's temple he took the commanders of hundreds the cairites the go- the guards and the people of the land and they brought from the king of the lord's temple and they entered the king's palace by the way of the guards gate then joash sat on the throne of the kings and all the people of the land right. rejoiced and the city was quiet for joy they had put athaliah wow. to death by the mm-hmm. that's right and so but what, what 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 we don't realize is joy and peace will only come if we dismantle mm-hmm. these systems because people don't realize the temple of Baal was an mm-hmm. oppressive system.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Th- I mean, think about it. If you read the ver- if you read at the very end of 2 Kings, the very actually, I'm sorry, it may have been First Kings, um, the prophets of Baal, in order to get Baal's attention, they right. mutilate themselves. Right. It
0: talks about that's oppressive. They're oppressing
1: themselves. Um,
0: slaves, all that's right. Of stuff.
1: That's right. But the, the question is, will America tear down? And its you know, a little
0: piece of, of, of hope, I think, that, that runs through this story and, and applies to what you're saying is one of the things that's so striking about the book of Kings is that you have bad kings who descendants are good kings. And you see mm-hmm. that your, that's right. your, mm, that's your right. relationship to God is what determines like your fate and the fate of the people not your history. That's and right. so I think, you know, to mm-hmm. me as someone who is a white person and who is, you know, coming out of generations of of white supremacy ways of thinking that have been shaped by whiteness, mm-hmm. privilege and resources that have come to me because of being white. And you sometimes you see Mm -hmm. um, the ways in which injustice has like kind of formed your own story and even brought you to the place where you are. And it's so humbling Mm -hmm. and and kind of it's heartbreaking. And yet I think I'm encouraged to see Mm -hmm. that, like, I don't have to act exactly the way my ancestors have acted. And I'm not talking directly about like my parents right. or grandparents per se, but what I'm saying, is right, right, you're when talking I about your culture. Like my culture. It's like I can choose to be a part of dismantling unjust systems and choose a different like future mm-hmm. than what has been the history, my lineage, my my bloodline, so to speak. You know. That's right. And so I just and and on That's the flip side right. of that. The good kings end up with bad kids all the time, which is really interesting. And it just just goes to show it's like we like your hope, like it's all about like, are you yourself oriented towards God? Not where your parents, you know, are you yourself choosing to be oriented to the true king to be shaped by what he cares about, what he sees, to value what he sees and to go out and start doing the work of like dismantling these unjust systems, which I That's so good. Um, One thing I was going to point out that made me laugh while I was reading this, you know, we're always kind of talking about like, is the Bible relevant? And I wanted to read you this passage that was Mm -hmm. just so deeply relevant um, from 2 Kings 15. It's talking about this King um, Jeroboam, I think it is. And it says, the Lord afflicted the king and he had a serious skin disease until the day of his death. He lived in quarantine. So I just thought that was uh, Mm. really, (laughs) really relevant to the year 2020. And (laughs) Mm it's like, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. We've got people living in quarantine in the book of Second Kings.
1: (laughs) That's right. And Psalm 88. Oh, true, true. a lot of people think that's what's happening. Psalm 88. And, you know, I think uh, also I think uh, an insight to Second Kings is like, you know, Basically, 1 Samuel through Second Kings basically gives us a detailed history mm-hmm. of Israel's kings um, for Thanks. a long time. And one of the things that shows us over and over again, and this is why I always tell people the Bible will tell the truth about you, even if you don't wow. tell the truth mm-hmm. about you, is that most of these kings are always a prone to oppress. Yeah. It's almost <laughs> as if it's in our nature,
0: yeah.
1: Yeah. you know? It's, and, and that's what people don't get. That's why it's, it's so um, important for us to realize as image bearers, we do have a capacity for good. But we also have a great disposition mm-hmm. towards evil and that you shouldn't be surprised if the criminal justice system is uh, oppressive and corrupt because people right. are oppressive right. and corrupt. Um, the, the Bible says that uh, over and over again. And it's just mm-hmm. but there is hope. Like with the Lord, you can dismantle the systems, and that's what god calls he's calling people to do He's like, if you only tear down the 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 statues, if you only tear down you know uh the the idols in the temple and the way of life in it, we won't do that we won't even part with our traitorous racist hmm. generals of right. of the south we 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 that we barely have a issue we barely have the capacity to even tear right. those idols down. Um, in, in order to uh, provide peace and, and I prosperity think that raises the question for people in our this communities. Is something I'm
0: thinking as I read the book of Second Kings is like, what is it that the people are so afraid of losing if they were to completely let go of Baal? Mm-hmm. What what are they so afraid of? Mm-hmm.
1: I think
0: that's the same question that mm-hmm. we have to ask ourselves when we look at like, why am I holding on to the idea that we need to revere General Robert E Lee? What do I think I'm going to lose if I just out and out condemn slavery? Like, what? What are we holding on to? Like, I'm I'm, I'm like reading Second Kings, thinking this. Like, what are they? What are they getting out of it? Is it like there's a sense of financial security? Is it like they don't want to be totally reliant upon Yahweh? They want a backup plan. So that's kind of what Mm -hmm. we were saying earlier. Like. God's saying, like, no, it's all me or nothing. Like, you don't get to like split the right. split the ticket here. Um,
1: well, I think part of it is that people are afraid of the unknown, right? So what you see in Israel is you see that there are seasons where there has not been a good king for a long right. time, right? Right. And so they don't know what righteousness looks like. Like, that's what me and Micah talk about all the time. We were talking about yesterday. But, like, the reason that people are afraid to part with capitalism and greed and militarism and racism is because our country has never existed right. apart right. from those things. It's like, it's like, that, it's like that, that, that person who's in a toxic relationship, and they've been in this toxic relationship with this person for years. And they don't, they, they've been in this relationship with this abusive person so long that the reason they won't leave is because they don't know what life right, looks like right. without that person. And, and that's what often our sin is on an individual and corporate level is, you know, whether it's the, the young woman who's been in a relationship with an abusive husband. Um, well, that's not her right. personal sin, but, you know, that's what's being done to her. Or whether it is the personal sin of maybe uh, a young man who does not know what life looks like without mm-hmm. pornography. Because he's been looking at it since he mm. was six years old, and 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 what what Jesus is constantly telling us is that there is life right. outside of sin. There's a good life. That's why, um, yeah. That's
0: why so much yeah. of the work of discipleship is imagination, like imagining being mm, able to right. imagine that there could be something better than what you know right now. That there could be something sweeter in Christ. That's right. That it's. It's possible to be loved in a way um, to, to, to understand the love of God in a way that you can't yet wrap your mind around. That's right. Ah, oh, this is so good. Well, I know we need that's to wrap right. up. But, oh, yeah. Good All right, Miriam, before yeah. we go,
1: give us, give us your main takeaway hmm. from Second Kings.
0: Oh, man.
1: Yeah. that's okay. Um,
0: you know, I think it really is for me about a God – who will not give up on any of his image bearers. I mean, that is just, Mm. he he is angry when they are hurt. He is, uh, um, he is not okay with allowing them to be in the hands of evil men. And he Mm -hmm. keeps coming after them, even when they're oppressive. He keeps coming after them and just, Mm -hmm. Drawing them towards himself. And they cast up. They, they, they try to go for all these idols. These images. And they just want this image. And if only they could see. And I think this is a challenge for us. If only they could see. God mm. has chosen his representative. Christ bears the image of God perfectly. Mm. And there is nothing. That Baal can offer you. Or any of those idols or images can offer you. Mm. That is not just completely blown away by the beauty and gentleness and lowliness and compassion that's found in Christ. uh, When you actually look at the image of God.
1: Amen. Yeah. Amen. What about you? Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. I would say um, one of the, I think the most common phrase you see in in the the King stories is, you know, Mm. he did what was evil in the Lord's sight. But one of the things that tells us is if you kind of just, kind of get a snippet of that line is that evil is always in the Lord's mm, sight. Absolutely. He always that's sees so it. I love how it says that all over. Like, I mean, it's like every chapter he did was even the Lord's sight. It mm. means God always sees it. Like God is always, and that's bad news for oppressors yeah. and good news for the oppressed. There is
0: no harm that um, is being and done so, to yeah, you that, that, would that be, God is not seeing and will not make right.
1: That's right. Amen. That's right. Well, good talking to you, brother. Um, Yeah. All right. Yeah, thank you.
0: Okay, bye.
1: Yeah, I'll talk to you later.